Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. We're in a series entitled Walking with Christ through the Gospel of Mark. We come today to Mark chapter 14. Mark is in the New Testament, and that's in the last half of your Bible. Find the Gospel of Matthew, and then the very next book will be the Gospel of Mark. Mark is the action gospel. Mark is filled with a rapid uh, pace of events from the first chapter on. But as we've come here to the last section of the Gospel of Mark, Mark slows down and focuses for about one-fourth of his gospel on a week primarily that we call the Passion Week, the Easter Week, the Resurrection Week, and so forth, and focuses very carefully on that. So we come to Mark 14 today. Now, for many of you who are listening, you have a background in church and You've read the Bible, and as we go through Mark 14, you might be thinking, well, I thought this happened at the Last Supper, and I thought this happened in the trials, and so forth. Well, remember there are four Gospels, and to really get the full picture of all the details the Lord recorded for us, you might want to get what is called a harmony of the Gospels. And it's sort of like the Gospels in stereo, where you it, it, it's arranged chronologically. So at each event, you have what all the Gospels say about that, for example, the Last Supper. But we, are, for our purposes, are going to stick very closely to, to what Mark lays out here. Uh, that way, we can definitely focus on what he says. So let's go to Mark 14, and let's see Mark's portrait of Christ here in Mark 14. Mark 14, verse 1. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priest and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. So we see here Mark tells us about a secret plot of the chief priest and the scribes to, you know, by stealth, take the Lord Jesus Christ and kill him. I mean, that's the blunt truth of what they were going to do here. And we notice this is at the Passover season where the Jewish people celebrate the death angel passing over the Jewish people in the promised land. You can read about that in the Old Testament. But Christ is actually the ultimate fulfillment of that Passover lamb that they sacrifice. He is going to be the Passover lamb. And they are going to have the hand or a hand with the Romans in putting him to death. So we see the secret plot. Mark moves quickly to verse 3. And being in Bethany, that was only now, uh, I think, a couple of miles, a few miles outside of Jerusalem. 
and being in Bethany of in the house of Simon the leper, you remember that Jesus had healed him miraculously from the dread disease of leprosy. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. That would be like a year's wages. And had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me... Ye have not always. She has done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them. So we've not only seen in Mark here a secret plot, but we see sacrificial worship. The nard ointment that this lady had here was kept in a, uh, a, a flask, so to speak, that was made of uh, uh, alabaster. And the only way you got to it was to break it. So once you committed to it, you were committed. And it was often used to anoint bodies for burial. A very aromatic, wonderful ointment and scent. And she, she would have had to spend an entire year's wages to purchase this. And it wasn't local to Israel. It grows, this particular plant that it's made from, grows in the Himalayan mountains in northern India, China, in that region. This had been brought for hundreds and thousands of miles to end up in Israel. And yet this sacrificial worship we see, which Christ said will always be remembered in the gospel, and here we are reading about it today, fulfilling that, is an example of truly sacrificial worship. She held nothing back in worshiping the Lord. Now, you know, when you worship Jesus Christ for the God he is, this will upset many people. It upset the disciples. And Jesus says, why are you causing her problems? She did this to prepare my body for the burial that's coming. You know, Judas was all about money because he was stealing from the offering plate, so to speak. He was the treasurer of the disciples. I guess with Judas, this was the final straw. So 
he scurries off to betray Christ. So we've seen a secret plot, sacrificial worship, but now we're going to see stunning predictions. Watch what happens here. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought how he might conveniently betray him. When the chief priests, the scribes, and the Jewish leadership and their religion and their political realm, when they heard that Judas was going to give them an inside track to take Jesus, they were delighted. The, the idea of this word is, is they were just overjoyed about this. Wow. Christ now makes some stunning predictions. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? And he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and we know from the other Gospels this was Peter and John. And he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. Now you need to know that back in this day it was highly unusual for a man to carry water through the streets. So out of all of the, literally at this time for this Passover feast, the hundreds of thousands of um, pilgrim worshipers who had, had come to Jerusalem to the temple, this would be a sure sign. And so Jesus says, when you see a man bearing a pitcher of water, follow that guy, follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, Say ye to the good man of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. Now, so here I feel are two predictions. They will see a man carrying a pitcher of water, highly unusual. And if they followed him into the house he went into, there would be a guest chamber that was completely vacant, yet it was ready to be used for the Passover. Now remember that when the Jewish worshipers came to Jerusalem, that many of the Jewish families would intentionally rent out parts of their homes to these pilgrims so that the pilgrims could have a place to eat the Passover. The odds of there being a room in this small city with all of these pilgrim worshipers there that was unused is just improbable. Verse 16, so what happened? And his disciples went forth and came into the city and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. So they saw the guy carrying the water. They followed him into that house he went into. And lo and behold, there was the room, just like Jesus said, available. Wow. Verse 17. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve. And as they said and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. 
And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth, as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and brake it and gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even this night, before the cock Crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. So we see stunning predictions here. Not only uh, following the man with the pitcher of the water, the, the only room probably in Jerusalem that would have been available, they went straight to that where they could eat the Passover meal together. And as they're walking, singing the Psalms, probably like Psalm 115, 116, 117, and 118, singing those Psalms of worship, heading for the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ tells them, all of you are going to betray me tonight. All of you. And Peter, out of a, a heart of love for Christ and probably too much confidence in his own ability, perhaps, said, not me, I won't. If I have to die with you, I'll die with you. And Peter just told him point blank, hey, before the night's over, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And they, they, they didn't believe that. They couldn't believe that. They, all of them said, no, it's not going to happen. But he made those stunning predictions. Now we see the Savior's submission. Let's go to verse 32. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. 
Now that name, that word means the olive press. In other words, the place where the olives are crushed. And Christ, we're going to see here, is going to be crushed in this garden. In, in suffering and in prayer for you and for me. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. Do you remember, if you've been listening with us, back in the episode of Mark 13, that he told us as disciples of his that we are to have an attitude of watching and we're to actually have an action of watching. Watch and pray because we don't want to be caught by surprise when he returns. You remember that? Well, just that's just been like a day or so, so before this. So now they all go into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he takes Peter, James, and John with him a little further, and he tells them, I want you to stay here while I pray. And they were going to need to do what he told them in a minute because Christ is, remember Christ is God. He was God then, he's God right now. But while he was on the earth in his earthly ministry, he, he was God in human form. He had a human body, human emotions, and the, the magnitude, the weight of what he is about to go through is almost overwhelming. Verse 34, And saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. There it is. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. We see the Savior's submission as the Son to the will of the Father. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. That should be our prayer all every day as a believer in Christ as well. Christ submits as a Savior to the will of the Father that he go through this night of suffering, through the trials we're going to see him go through, the torture, the crucifixion, the mocking, the death, the burial, and finally the resurrection. And that he was going to do all of this so that your sins and my sins, the penalty, the price we owe for those for being sinners, would be fully paid and that we could have new life in him and live with him in heaven forever. He did all of that for you and for me. Verse 37, 
and he cometh and findeth them sleeping and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And remember, he's already told Peter, you're about to go through something you don't think you're going to go through, and it's going to be bad. And Peter should have been watching and praying. But like us, he, the spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak. Now, I, I never want to be un, misunderstood here. I never make fun of Peter or the apostles. They are a billion times more of a man and, a, and men of God than I will ever be. And whatever I see Peter failing in here, I've failed infinitely more. But there's a great comfort here I'm going to give you as we go through this. Right here in the garden that where the olives are crushed and Christ begins to be crushed, I liken that to the valley of the shadow of death spoken of in Psalm 23. And I want you to think about something with me here. This, is, this blessed my heart this morning when the Lord just brought this together for me as I was thinking about sharing this episode with you today. The truth is, my friend, that you and I are like little lambs. I don't care how many degrees you have, how much money you make, how wonderful your home is, your family is, your career. You know, the, the truth is when all of that's stripped away, you're a weak person and I'm a weak person and that's all we are. We're like little lambs walking through a world of hungry wolves. Wolves love to eat little lambs. Wolves are experts at killing lambs. And we're like those little lambs walking through the valley of the shadow of death with wolves all around. And you know what? The lambs are never told to, uh, to be better, be stronger, be more like wolves. They're never told that. They're told to just basically lean into Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. Wow. And even though Peter should have watched and prayed, they didn't. But as we're going to see, Christ doesn't disown them here. Other than challenging them, he doesn't become angry with them and send them away. And if you have felt that you're probably the worst Christian there's ever been, and a lot of us feel that way a lot of times, I, I want to minister to you today, to say to you today, when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, as Christ is right here, and you feel like, man, I'm just a little lamb surrounded by a world of wolves. What am I going to do? I just want you to lean 
into Jesus. Lean into Jesus and he'll get you through. Let's go to verse 37. We read that. Let's look at verse 38. Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh the third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. So Christ tells them basically, It's, it's time, men, the betrayal's at hand. So we see the Savior's submission but now we're going to see the sign of betrayal. You know, we've often seen in, in movies like about the mafia, you know, the kiss of death. And I, if I got it right, the person that gets that is about to die. <laughs> well, Judas uses a sign of respect and love and endearment to betray Christ. So we see the sign of betrayal. Jesus says in verse 42, Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. And immediately while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Take him and lead him safely away. So the sign of betrayal, and you've seen it, it's still given around the world today. Someone greets uh, someone and they, they do that light kiss on each cheek. Very common in many parts of the world even today. This would be the sign that the only one you need to arrest is the one that I give this sign to. Verse 45, And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and with stays to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and ye took me not. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Wow, what a sign of betrayal that Judas gave. Verse 50, And they all forsook him and fled. And there followed him a certain young man, having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, and the young men laid hold on him. And he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Now, we believe because the cloth spoken of here is a very high grade of linen, and it, it was often used, by the way, in burials, but only rich families would have that. We believe that this was most likely Mark 
who wrote the Gospel of Mark, that he, in his haste to get away, left them holding what he was wearing. But he was an eyewitness to these events. So Mark flees after this sign of betrayal. Verse 53. Now we see a sham trial and actually a series of trials, but Mark focuses on the main thing here. And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. I've heard sermons by other preachers warming yourself at the devil's fire. And the problem is Peter should have been with Jesus. Instead, he began to follow him afar off. And all of these things are true. So Peter's down in the courtyard with those waiting. And Jesus is before the religious authorities. So we see a sham trial here about to happen. Verse 55. And the chief priest and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. In other words, they, they couldn't get their stories straight. And there arose certain and bear false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days... I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? So he was trying to compel Jesus to witness against himself, which is, that's not a fair trial. But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Now Jesus is going to give him an answer, and he's drawing on Daniel seven thirteen, And there would be no mistaking what his answer was, because these guys would have known what he meant. Verse 62, And Jesus said, I am, and ye shall see the Son of Man, talking about himself, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. So he, he hearkens back to the prophecy in Daniel seven thirteen. Then the high priest rent his clothes. In other words, he he grabbed, I guess, the neck of his garment and tore his robes open and saith, What need we any further witnesses? Ye have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. Now, in Leviticus 21, verse 10, the high priest was forbidden to tear his garment. So when he did this, he disqualified himself as the high priest, but that doesn't stand in the way of what they're trying to do. 
So in verse 64, he said, Ye've heard the blasphemy, what think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet him and to say unto him, Prophesy! And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. You know, friends, we live in a spiritual universe and we are opposed by Satan and the angels that rebelled with him that we call demons today. And here we see them on parade against the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ was treated unmercifully because Satan wanted to keep him from going to the cross. I believe he wanted to kill him now since he couldn't stop him this far. He wanted now to kill him before he could go to your cross and my cross. So if you read all of the Gospels, he was tortured, tortured, sham trials. Now we're going to close out with a shocking denial. Verse 66, And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked up, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean. Thy speech agreeeth thereto. Now how did, how did they pick this up was like in America all true Americans speak English but only those of us who are southerners speak it right <laughs> I'm just kidding on that well here in Israel at this time there were at least two dialects and Peter the way he phrased his words and his accent gave him away as being from the north of Israel in Galilee where there was a different dialect of Aramaic. Same language, but it was spoken differently. And they picked up on that, and they nailed him about that. Now, right about this time, if Peter was going to do the right thing, he should have said, yep, you got me, and yeah, I know him, and he's my Savior. But Peter didn't do that. And I want to ask you and me, how many times has Christ just needed us to be a witness and all we have been is a wuss? Many times, I'm sure. But Peter's in a corner now, and what Christ had predicted before is going to literally come true. Verse 71 but he began to curse and to swear, 
The Greek word here used is to anathematize, to bring down curses upon himself. But he began to curse and swear. Basically, um, like Jerry Clower used to say, if I'm lying, I'm dying. You know, if, if, if I'm not telling the truth, God strike me dead. This is how Peter's talking right now. And he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. And the second time, the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. He broke down, realizing how he had trusted in his flesh. Spirit was willing, flesh was weak. And whereas we see Christ in the garden, spirit is willing and God empowered his flesh to get through that because he relied on the Father. Here we see in our frail humanity that if we trust too much in ourselves, really at all in ourselves, and are not leaning into Jesus, we will also fail. Peter failed. And as I said before in this episode, and I will say again, I, I of all people, can never point a finger at Peter, and neither should you. Peter is more of a, I mean, this all actually literally happened, but it's also more also a figure of what we are without leaning into Jesus. And it, it tore him up. He absolutely lost it at this point. And yet Christ is such a Savior who cares so much about us that he had told Peter what was going to happen in advance and that he, he cared for Peter and loved him. And Christ looks the same way at you. You say that I failed the Lord so many times, so often, and I probably will again. Yep, me too. But we serve a wonderful Savior. Amen? We do. And Jesus is not done with Peter yet, and he's not done with me nor with you yet. Now we have to stop there. In our next episode, Mark 15, we will see Christ crucified, dead, and buried. And as the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman political authorities thought, finished. Well, they've got another thing coming because Mark 16 the resurrection of Christ follows Mark 15. I thank you for listening today. I hope you'll invite others to listen to This Week in the Word. They can find it. The, the most direct way to find it is just type into their browser, www.dredhill.podbean.com. Remember, that's www. D-R, no period after the D-R, dredhill.podbean.com. The app is free. It will always be free to listen. 
invite others to listen that they may grow in their knowledge of Christ, their walk with Christ, and um, to just be blessed in their, their Christian life. If you'd like to submit to me a question you might have about the Gospel of Mark or a spiritual question, you can email me at Pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, Pastor Ed Hill at gmail.com. I'll do my best to answer your questions. And my prayer for you is that if you are not yet a Christian, that this day you will ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord, to save you from your sins, to come into your heart and life, to give you the new life of Christ in you, forgiven because of what He did on the cross, knowing that your sins are forgiven, and new, eternal, abundant life is coming to your life, and you will live with Him forever in heaven when your life is done. Thanks again for listening. God bless. Have a great day. Bye-bye.